Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. It's Friday, and we're going to be having a financial uh, discussion on the Common Sense Christian Channel. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite books, The Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest Man in Babylon was written by a man by the name of George S. Clayson. He was born way back in 1874 in Missouri. He took part in the Spanish-American War, and when the war was over, he left the army and began his own publishing company in Denver, Colorado. They were pretty successful at what they did. They were one of the first companies, if not the first, to actually print an atlas of North America, both the United States and Canada together. But in addition to that, he had a variety of interests, and one of them was in the area of personal finance. And while this is not going to be a personal finance advice uh, program, it is going to give you some ideas as far as how some people have used different strategies in finance to help make their lives a little bit easier. Well, George Clayson wrote a series of pamphlets in a parable form, but in a real setting. He went back to ancient Babylon, and he used some characters from that time to try and teach some very important financial principles. And he began with, with a man by the name of Arkad, who was known as the richest man in Babylon. Well, Arkad had a number of friends, and the story begins before Arkad even comes into the picture with the friends getting together, or a couple of them, and they were talking about the fact that they were always having trouble making ends meet. And they were just wondering why. They had worked hard all their life. They put out a quality product, and yet each month it just seemed like they barely had enough income to pay for the expenses that they had. And that got them to thinking about a friend that they had gone to school with, this very Arcad. And they knew him as being one of the wealthiest men in the region. And so they thought, well, we need to go and ask him how he was so fortunate as to build wealth in the way he did. And they decided to get a number of the other friends, other schoolmates that had grown up with them as they grew up with Arcad. And they went to Arcad and they asked him, what, what's the secret of your success? Well, Arkad was glad to see them, and he invited them in, and, and he told them the story of how he began. They first wondered if he was just lucky, and he said, no, it, it didn't really have anything to do with luck. As a matter of fact, he pointed out that people who acquire uh, their wealth by, uh, by luck or, or by just some stroke of good fortune usually have a hard time hanging on to it. Very often they'll spend this unexpected fortune, and at the end of it, they won't have any money left, but they'll have some very expensive appetites, and they'll be even less satisfied at the end than they were before they got the money. But he told him it wasn't because of good luck, and he said, I didn't have any inheritance. I was from a large family, good family, uh, but my parents couldn't afford to leave an estate, and so I knew that anything I was going to make, any wealth I was going to accumulate, I was going to have to do on my own. And so he got a job uh, in Babylon working at the records office. Back then, they kept records on clay tablets, and they hired scribes to carve uh, the records into those tablets, and Arkad had a job as one of those scribes. And so he began to work there, and he'd worked there for a few years, and he was noticing the same thing that his friends had been complaining about, and that was he just never could seem to get ahead. Every penny he had coming in seemed to be going out as soon as he was paid it. And so he decided he wanted to start learning the secrets 
of building wealth. Well, he had his opportunity one day when a moneylender by the name of Algamesh came in. And Algamesh was certainly one of the most wealthy men of that region. He was from the town of Nippon, and, or Nippur, and he had come in to town to get some documents copied. And so he talked to Arkad and he said, if you will copy this and get this document copied in two days, I'll pay you two coppers when I come back. But it has to be done by then. And so our cat agreed. And two days later, uh, uh, Algamesh came back, but our cat wasn't finished. It was a lot longer than he had anticipated, and the work much more, uh, more much more difficult than he had planned. And so he just wasn't finished. Well, this made Algamesh really mad. As a matter of fact, if Arkad had been his slave, he would have given him a beating. But since he worked for the city, he couldn't do that. And that rather emboldened Arkad uh, to, to make him this proposition. He said, Algamesh, I will work all night tonight and do everything I can to make sure this document is finished by the time you come back tomorrow morning. But in exchange for that, in addition to the two coppers, I also want you to tell me the secret of your wealth. Well, Algamesh kind of smiled and he said, well, you're forward enough, but it's a deal. It's a bargain. And so he left and, and Arkad worked all night. And by the next morning, his back was uh, stooped over and in pain from, from working all night. He had a headache and his eyes were puffy from the candle uh, smoke, and, but he had, he had it done. And Algamesh came back, and he was able to present to him the tablets. And Algamesh was very pleased with the finished product. And so he paid him his two coppers, and he said, Now I'm going to tell you the secret to my wealth. But he said, You're going to have to pay attention, because at first it may not seem that much to you, but this will really work. And here's the secret. I began to build wealth when I discovered that part of everything I made was mine to keep. Well, Arkad just kind of looked at him expecting more, but, but Algamesh didn't have anything more. And so Arkad said, that's it? Isn't everything that I make mine to keep? And Algamesh said, no. He said, think about it. Isn't it true that, that with your money that you have to, to pay the maker of your clothes, that you have to pay the sandal maker, that you have to pay the baker who supplies you with bread, that you have to pay for your other food items, and that you have to pay for a place to stay in Babylon. You're, pay you're working for everybody else but yourself. You will never begin to get wealthy until you realize that part of what you make is yours to keep. Well, with that, he left, and he was gone for a long time, and Arkad thought about it, and he thought, well, there's some sense in that, and so he started saving 10% of what he made. And, and putting it aside. And, and a year, year's time went by, and Algamesh said, Arkad, are you wealthy yet? And Arkad said, no, but I'm on my way. And so Algamesh said, did you save your money? And he said, I did. And I gave it to the brickmaker who is going to Tyre to buy jewels from the Phoenicians. And then he'll come back uh, to Babylon, and we will sell those jewels at a profit, and I'll be wealthy then. And Algamesh just kind of shook his head and said, if you were going uh, to learn something about the stars, would you go to the bread maker? No, you'd go to an astronomer. Why then would you go to a brick maker for advice about jewels? He said, Arkad, you've lost your money, but don't be discouraged. Keep on saving, but this time 
be, a, be more prudent in the way you invest it. So Algamesh left, and sure enough, it was a year's time before he came back. And during that year's time, Arcad worked very hard, and he, he saved 10% uh, of everything that he made during that time. Algamesh came back and said, Arcad, are you rich yet? And he said, no, but I'm on my way. And he said, what have you done uh, with your money? He said, have you saved your money? And he said, I have. And he said, well, how have you invested it? He said, I've invested it uh, with Asmure. Uh, and uh, the shield maker, and, the, and he is buying bronze with the money that I give to him. And then after he sells the shields, four months later, he pays me rent for the money that I've lent to him. And Algamesh said, and what are you doing with the rent that you're getting off of your, off of your investment? He said, I've been doing a lot of really good things. He said, I've had a feast for myself and my friends. I bought this nice robe that you see me wearing today. I've even bought a donkey with which to ride around on. And uh, Algamesh said to, to Arkad, you're, you're eating the children of your wealth. He said, why would you spend the income that you're making off of your savings when you could take that income and put it to work for you as well? He said, your wealth will grow so much quicker. Uh, and he said, but but uh, keep going, keep keep trying. And so he went away, and this time he was gone for two years. And when he came back, Arkad noticed that Algamesh was considerably older looking. And and uh, but but he still had a spring in his step and a glint in his eye. And he said, Arcad, have you got wealthy yet? And he said, not yet. But he said, I am I'm doing better. And he told him that that now he was taking the income that he was making and he was reinvesting that so that it could also make an income. And he was even taking the income off of the income and investing that so he could make even more. And Algamesh says, Arkad, you've done well. You've learned several very important lessons. He said, you've learned to take good advice from those uh, who knew what they were talking about. He said, you're a hard worker. He said, you've learned to not spend everything you make. And with that that you've saved, you've learned to invest it wisely. And then he said, I'd like you to come to work for me in Naipur. He said, my, my children have no interest in my business. He said, it seems like the only interest they have is in is spending every copper and piece of silver and gold that I give to them as soon as I give it to them. Uh, but he said, I would like you to come to work for me. And if you will, I will include you in my estate. Well, Arkad thought this was really the chance that he'd been looking for. And so he left Babylon and went to Naipur with Algamesh. And sure enough, he worked for him for several, several years learned all sorts of things about money lending as well as the other businesses that Algamesh had. And he was a very faithful manager. He was a very good steward of what he had. And he was able to increase Algamesh's holdings uh, several fold. Well, the time came and Algamesh did die, but true to his word, he left Arkad part of his estate. And with that estate, he was able to build uh, himself up and keep investing to where he became known as the richest man in Babylon. Well, when Arkad finished telling his tale to his friends, he, he stopped and, and he said, it all began because I learned the secret to making wealth. And that was part of everything I make is mine to keep. 
Well, some of the friends, they just they just went away shaking their heads. They thought that was the silliest thing they'd ever heard. And uh, other of the friends went away mad with Arkad because they thought since he was wealthy, he should share some of his money with them. But there were a few friends left that thanked him, and they went away with a different light in their eyes because they realized they truly had learned the secret to making and keeping wealth. And it all began with that simple truth, part of what you make is yours to keep. Well, now let's make the transition for for our Christian life. We are obviously not here just to make wealth so that we can die with the most toys. Uh, The one that dies with the most toys uh, is only dead at the end. He hasn't really gained anything. But we're here as servants of God. And this life, really, when you think about it, when you boil it down to its essence, is just a test of that stewardship. Are you serious enough about serving God to where you will do it in his way? Do you love God enough to where you will look to his interests before you look to, to your own? And will you consider yourself before anything else, first and foremost, a steward of God who is here to serve him? Because if you will, then all of your decisions will become uh, such that you'll be making them for him first. And all that you do, whether we're talking about your time or your effort or your resources, will be done with God in mind. And there's probably no greater area as far as our stewardship than in the area of our money. When you look at scriptures, you see time and time again, the Bible talks about money and and talks about the dangers of loving money, but also of the possibilities that you can have if you use your money wisely. And so with with the understanding in the end that it really isn't your money, but that it's the master's money. And if you will do your best with all of your resources, time, effort, and money, you're going to find that you will be coming much closer to being the type of steward that God not only will approve of for here on earth, but whom he will want to be with him, serving him for all eternity. It all begins, by the way, with when we talk about our finances with the correct use of money. Too many of us get distracted from what we're here for on earth because we're always just scrambling to keep our heads above water. We spend every dime that we have and sometimes more borrowing uh, to get the things that we want now because we can't put off our desires for later when we have the money for it. And we get to the point where we're always concerned and we're always worried and we're always laying awake at night trying to figure out how we're going to get enough money to get by. And we're going to find that that type of a lifestyle is not conducive to being a good steward of God. But if in this area we will learn to be a good steward, and part of that stewardship is realizing that part of what you earn is yours to keep, and then taking that money and investing it prudently to be used for the master, but also for things that you would enjoy, you're going to find out that life's pretty good. And sometime at the end, you may hear from God the thing that we are all wanting to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, that's the lesson for today. Part of what you make is yours to keep. If you will always try and make sure that you keep at least 10% 
of your income out of whatever you get paid and do this faithfully and then invest it wisely, you'll find that you're able to do and accomplish all sorts of things for God in this life. One more thought. I live in a small uh, community. It's a farming and ranching community, and there's a standard here among those who have been generational farmers and ranchers, and that's just this. Leave what you have in better condition than you found it in. If you and I will leave what we have, this world, in better condition than we find it in, then perhaps we can be the type of stewards that God wants us to be. That's all for today. I appreciate your tuning in. I pray that God will bless you richly as you go through your week. Take care.